Hi, I'm Batsheva Frankel from Overthrowing Education, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Back on episode 14, we spoke with Don Wetrick about Genius Hour, and we've known for years how amazing this experience can be for students. But planning it and implementing it can be a daunting task. On this episode, we're speaking with friend of the show, Danny Kennis, about how she created and implemented what she calls Mini Genius Hour. Let's start the show. This is Podcast PD, the show that provides you with anytime, anywhere professional development. Our conversations and guests will provide you with the learning you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day. Except you're going to have more fun with AJ Bianco, Stacey Lindis, and me, Chris Nessie. Let's start the show. What is going on, podcast people? Welcome back to another episode of Podcast PD. It's me, Chris Nessie, and I'm joined by my podcast compadres, Stacy Lindis and Alfred Jacob Bianco. What is up, AJ? How are you doing? I'm doing well, Christopher. It's great to be uh, involved in the podcast again. We've had a little time off, I feel like. It's like almost like summer hours. I like it. Welcome back, everybody. Stacy, how are you? Happy that school's over, although I went to school three days this week, so I'm not really sure that it's over. And I I counted all my summer days. I will be in school or in some type of PD and training for at least 16 of my summer days. So when people say that teachers don't have summers off, I just want to show them my calendar and say it's a lie. Even if I weren't going to school, I'd be doing something for school. And you all know that because you're all educators. So I see a lot of head nods and smiles. You know what else is a lie? Phineas and Ferb, because there are not 104 days of summer vacation. Yes. So true. Where do they get that? I don't know, but I'd like to be in their universe. And they also have two weeks of of winter break. I want to live there. You know who I blame? Perry the Platypus. (laughs) I blame Disney. (laughs) All these magical moments. It's Disney's fault. Blame Disney. Oh, I heard a different laugh, though. Who's our guest, Chris? Who is our guest? We are joined by, as I said just seconds ago, Danny Kennis, who is a friend of the podcast. She's a special education high school history teacher in New York State. She's a wife, mother of two, and as I added to her bio, she is an awesome ed tech nerd. Welcome back, Danny. Hi, guys. Thank you. Very excited to get the gang together again. It's always trouble when we assemble. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Also, really disappointed with the name middle name you came up for, with uh, for AJ. I feel like you could have done way better. Like, even Julius. There you go. Alfred Julius. Yes. yes. Just keep so, giving my ideas going forward. Did, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Danny. <laughs> Julius. <laughs> <laughs> I could I do Julie. That Maybe. works, it's too. 20, it's 2021. I don't have to limit myself to one type of name. No, you're so right. Your options are endless. We should start creating names, too. <laughs> like names from the future. So Ooh. glad you're having fun with this. It would be better if you did. <laughs> <laughs> I know what it is. You're drinking coffee out of your miserable Jets cup. Drinking coffee out of anything makes me happy. Okay. Yes. All right. So shoe. anyway, I don't care. Sh- oh my <laughs> lord! Just give me the coffee. Just give me an IV straight to the vein. I'm good. I wish that existed. Yes. So, Danny, how have you been? Your school year is over. The year of COVID is behind us. How how did your year finish up? Because you were here 
you know, like five episodes ago, but in podcast PD time, that's like three months. So how you been? Um, good. So I am obviously very excited that the year is over. It was a, um, as normal as it could have possibly been end of the school year. I had, I got the chance to meet some more of my students in person. Um, but mostly I spent time thinking about how to end the year in a way that felt like fun and genuine and in the same vein of how I started the year, which was focusing on building relationships. So that's where the mini genius hour came in. Um, But now maybe this is for another episode. Actually, I would love to pick your brains about this because I feel like nobody in my circle at school is thinking about this. I'm really kind of freaking out about next year and how to make up for, I hate when people say learning loss because that's not what I feel. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just, Just how to get the kids back into the routine of knowing how to be in a classroom and how to take mm-hmm. notes and how to use their agendas and how to use the bathroom and like raise their hands and just all those protocols that have not really been in place over the past couple of years. So maybe we can We're talk bridging about that. We're bridging the gap. Another, yes. Oh my God. I'm writing that down because that's brilliant. I think I stole that from someone who shared that with us on um, on Clubhouse one morning, but it's yep. not learning loss. It's it's learning gaps. Right oh, now we have gaps in where kids are. They've all learned something. They've not lost anything. It's just yeah. they're not where they normally are. Maybe. They they may not have learned what we wanted them to learn, but they learned something. Yes. True story. Danny, it sounds like you, I mean, every time you come on here, you come up with ideas for episodes. Maybe we should just make this a foursome and you could, we could just be the four of us hosting the show. I can totally do that. I, I, I want to get more involved in just things that I, I'm like passionate about. And I feel so comfortable with you guys and love all the ideas that you guys have. But yeah, I would love that. I just don't know if I can commit to a steady schedule, but we can work that out because I would love this. I love doing this. Yeah. Danny's asleep by 830 on Sunday, so she can't really join us for Podcast PD Live. I would be asleep by 8.30 on Sundays, too. I'm just saying. If not for Podcast PD Live. So maybe Danny would be the reason that we push it up. Ooh, I like this morning hour. It's magical. <laughs> I don't like, I don't, I don't like this morning. morning hour. I don't like no? this. I felt very rushed this morning. Although you were up before five meditating or something. Were you really? I do not meditate. I. Oh. Um, Stacey's referring, referring to my, my watch. I was doing push-ups and ab work and oh. i just put it on like whatever i put it on but so I meditate. wait so let me get this straight body mind and body before 5 a.m on a saturday meditation you it weirdo five, it was 5 30 i use other for when i'm doing like weird stuff like that wow weird stuff anyway well when not it's not me. like yeah it's, and it's not, this we'll, we'll have another episode on, on the apple watch i have yes. many questions but anyway. i just want to say I know exactly what you're all talking about with all this activity early in the morning on your Apple watches. I get it. And so do the people at home. So you ain't fooling anybody. <laughs> it's SEO. <laughs> so Danny, first, from your point of view, and again, this all stems from an Instagram, an Instagram, new social media platform, Instagram, <laughs> from an Instagram post where you are professionally at stuck on edu. So one, we want you, we want to have you talk about that too, but you made a post where you shared this idea of mini genius hour, since it's been a while since we've talked about this from your point of view, what is genius hour? Oh my gosh. I haven't thought about what genius hour officially looks like in so long. Um, but I guess it's really just passion projects. 
letting kids explore what they're interested in um, and incorporating skills. That was my my only goal in doing this mini genius hour that I didn't really realize was a genius hour until we were in it. I just took elements of what I loved about genius hour and figured out how to fit it into a two week time frame because that's all I had left. Um, I knew I wanted to end the year with something that the kids would be interested in. I knew there was a lot that I had skipped over and a lot that they were interested in that we didn't really have a chance to talk about or get into as in-depth as I would have liked. And so that was kind of where the idea was born and just allowing the kids to hone some skills and follow whatever it is that they're passionate about and learning more about that. All right. So before we move on, so I know, Chris, you said back in episode 14, we talked with Don Wetrick about um, Genius Hour. He wrote an entire book called Pure Genius. Um, But if you look at, I'm just looking online. So Genius Hour on the site that I'm on, which is GeniusHour.com, is described as a movement that allows students to explore their own passions, like Danny said, and encourages creativity in the classroom. It provides students a choice in what they learn during a set period of time during school. It's not easy to determine where the idea was originally created, but there are at least two events that have impacted Genius Hour. That part's not as important, but basically, Danny, you narrowed it down. What did it look like for you? Like you said, you had two weeks. So tell us like nuts and bolts, how it started and what, what came of it. So this is not the first time I've tried to do Genius Hour. I tried to do it a couple of years ago, but I really didn't know what I was doing. And I knew I wanted kids to learn about a topic of their choosing. Um, But the way that I did it last time was I tried to do every Friday, we would spend a little bit of time doing this 20% time Genius Hour thing. And I found that the in-between days kind of threw them off and it would have just been easier to do it in one continuous segment of time. I started um, at the very beginning of our last two weeks and I said, okay, I want you guys to think about whatever it is that you want to learn about that you feel like we didn't touch on this year and it does not have to be history related. I'm going to change that for next year because I'm going to do this again, but at the beginning of the year and I can talk about that in a little bit. Um, But we brainstormed, all the kids brainstormed five topics that they were interested in Then they narrowed it down to three topics, and then they narrowed it down to one topic. And I had to approve their topic. And then after that, they created two research questions. I went over the difference with them between open-ended questions and closed-ended questions. They had a little bit more trouble with that than I anticipated, so I will definitely build in more time to explicitly go over that and spend more time teaching that. Um, But once they did that, they crafted their research questions and then they did the research part. Um, That was one of the most important skills I wanted to focus on was the research piece. I didn't focus on research throughout the year as much as I would have liked to because of the nature of the school year. But it was a really good opportunity to show them. Um, I took a screenshot and I kind of annotated it. And I said, when you look something up and the first things that come up are If you Google anything right now, you know that box that will come up and it's just like a little blurb of words and it's not the actual answer. So they always use that as their answer and then whatever the image and the other little blurb on the right side is. And I wanted them to know this is not research. You have to actually click on a link, scroll, read, take notes and annotate. So that's what I took them through the process of doing that, choosing a reliable resource, clicking on the link, reading about it, asking questions and answering questions. So I had them focus on the the WH questions, who, what, when, where, why. 
because um, again, I really tried to make everything very concise. So that's how they had them kind of annotate and take notes on the resources. I can stop there because I feel like I've spoken a lot. Keep going. I'm taking notes because um, I want to do this next year. And and the fact that you are a special ed teacher and I know that you work with special ed students, I think that this is appropriate because next year I'll be in a special ed inclusion class again and working with fifth graders. I think that like the modifications that you make lend themselves to any grade level and any content area. So do, do you want me to share the um, the doc that I made with you guys right now? That would be great. We can add it to our show notes with your permission. Let me pull it up. Hang on. It's it's on my other account. Just give me one second. Well, let's start with like where you started, right? Starting with five different ideas that they could research. What does that like? How much time? Because you said you had two weeks. So how much time does it look like? How much time is given for looking into those five topics, narrowing it down to three, investigating further, and then narrowing it down into, I'm sorry, narrowing it down to two, and then investigating a little bit further and narrowing it down to one? What does that look like? Okay, so I'm, I'm going to back up a little bit, actually, because I wanted this to be a project that the kids really felt like they had a stake in and a voice in. So at the very beginning, I said, we have two weeks. Do you want to spend all two weeks on this? And they said, yes, let's do it. So then I said, okay, let's maybe make some deadlines for how long we think we need for each section of this. So we looked at a calendar together and came up with dates. Um then we went through and talked about how much, uh, how many points each section should be worth. So I introduced this on Monday, June 7th. Um, the first part, part one, I kind of rushed that a little bit because I knew that we, I wanted to spend the most time on the research part um, and the part where they would be creating something. So they had one day to choose a topic to narrow it down from five to three to one topics um, or one topic. And then the next part, the research part, was a little bit longer. I gave them about two days to create their research questions. That is the part that I felt was a little bit rushed. So I'll go through that more explicitly next time. Um, And then the research piece was what they spent the most time on because that's where I felt there were a lot of really important skills that we needed to hone in on there. Danny, can I ask a question? And this is not a knock or anything. I'm guessing because it was the last two weeks of school, you had to have something accountable. Why is it graded? Oh, that's a good question. Um, because it it didn't have to be graded, actually. And I, I wish I hadn't done it at the be- at the end of the school year because um, it gave me a lot of really valuable insight into what the kids were interested in. And it gave me so much information as far as their skills go. So I'm actually going to start my year with this next year. But uh, the only reason I graded it was because I really I thought it was easy and I wanted them to have an opportunity to just get more points. That's it. And that's what I told them. I wanted them to have one last chance to raise their grade before the end of the year. So, And the goal, even though it's a passion project, it looks like you're doing a lot of research based learning. So is this like considered a research paper? Like, did you try to like mix the two? Um, not, it was not anything formal in terms of the research piece. I wish I could have gone more into depth and I would have recruited the help of an English teacher and maybe our librarian, but because it was so last minute and informal, I didn't do that. Um, but I tried to touch on the big points of, um, you can see in that image where I wrote that when you Google something, the first thing that pops up, that doesn't count as research. I knew I wanted to focus on that. And the other really big piece that I haven't mentioned yet is I wanted them to 
learn how to send an email the right way because we've gone through this whole entire school year and some of them are still putting the entire text of their email in the subject. And I wanted to correct that before the end of the school year. So oh, that's the- funny. I taught that skill at the beginning of the year, knowing how much my kids relied on email last year, like at the end of 2020, just for communication. I was like, we will not just have this random emailing stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I tried to do that too. And it just, it didn't stick. And throughout the year, because it wasn't really being enforced by other teachers, I kind of found that it it didn't stick. So I, I needed to do something to end the year so that I felt like I had done my part to make them better emailers. So in addition to the two sources they needed to find on Google, um, I thought about doing one book, but again, we didn't have time. So the third source was a person, an expert. So they had to find an expert on their topic and reach out to them through email or by DMing them. And as soon as I said this, they all freaked out. And they were like, why do we have to do this? What if we don't know someone? What if they don't write back? And this was the part that they were the most anxious about, which I thought was really funny because they, I thought they've all sent emails before. Um, But I went through and really specifically and explicitly taught them how to write an email and the correct format. Um, And so we spent a lot of time on that. I had them send me a sample email first, just saying like, hi, my name is so-and-so and and I'm a student in whatever's class and just to get the formatting down. So once they did that, then we drafted an email to their expert and I had to explain to them, you're not asking your expert your research questions. You have to ask them about their personal experience. This is about you making a connection with another human being and asking them what what do you know about this topic? What can you share with me from what you've learned by being involved in um, animal rights research, for example. So Danny, what are some of the topics that your, your kids chose, especially that, you know, this is a passion project. You ask them to reach out to somebody who is an expert. They can go anywhere they wanted to. What are some of the topics that your students focused on? So they picked topics that were kind of all over the place. And I didn't want to discourage anyone, even though I felt like some of their topics didn't really lend themselves to great research, but given the time frame, I just kind of let them roll with it. So, um, let me see some of the really, really cool topics. One was animal cruelty. Um, one was how did dogs become pets? Another was uh, about video game controllers and how they work. Another was about coding. Someone wanted to research Greek mythology, the Holocaust. And actually, one of my students ended up talking on the phone for a while to a Holocaust survivor, which was unbelievable. Someone did World War II. Someone did how to bake the best brownies. Someone did um, the the military, um, Littlest Pet Shop, Dunkin' Donuts, <laughs> coffee. Yeah, they were they were all over the place with their topics. But I wanted them to do something that interested them so that they'd be more invested in it. Um, the worst one I didn't name because it made absolutely no sense to me, but it was summer break. And like it could have been a really cool topic, but – it was just a really good example of how a project like this can go wrong if you don't have that one-on-one time with the kids. And it was a kid who hadn't come to class about seven times throughout the two weeks. So I couldn't really guide them as much as I would have liked to. And it completely went off the rails. So it didn't work for every kid, but for most of them, they learned something and it worked really well. What was the response from the people who they reached out to? Did they get a lot of responses? Was it a lot of radio silence? Unfortunately, a lot of them did not get responses um, because I, I don't know why, but um, for some of them, I had them reach out to their expert was a teacher that we work with. 
because I knew she taught, you know, Global 10 and knows about World War II and the Holocaust. Um, for other people, again, the best case scenario was someone who emailed our local um, Holocaust museum and they put her in touch with the survivor, which was great. That's someone amazing. else. It was it was incredible. A couple other people reached out to people on Instagram, but I'd say it was about 50 50 in terms of experts that responded and didn't. How, how were they encouraged to go out and find experts? Like w when you said, go find an expert, what was the advice you gave them on how to actually find a person? So I told them to either find a blog post that they really liked and contact the author of it. Or if they knew that this um, company had an account on social media, reach out to the account on social media and either tweet them or reach out to them on DMs. Um, some of them had like family or friends that knew a lot about their topic. So I still made them email just to go through the experience, but they found their experts that way. So there was no one way that worked for everyone. What was the feedback like from the kids throughout the process, either during or even at the end? I'm sure you asked them for, Hey, what'd you guys think of what we just did as we're wrapping up the school year? Uh, you know what? I didn't ask them that. <laughs> um, they, I know they were excited and engaged because I saw the pride on their faces when they presented like they were all so excited to get up in front of each other and present about what they had learned about um and i really i think their their pride was the thing that they i noticed the most about them and i know that they all learned something um there were not really many moments where they were off task and so for me that was enough that told me that they were engaged and they were interested in what they were doing no, can you talk a little bit about like their presentations and what they created? So part four was create something. Part five was present what you created. So what did that look like? And like how many of them went beyond, um, you know, your standard slide deck? So this is where the um, mini genius hour really comes into play. I wanted them to create something like big and awesome. And I wanted them to solve a problem and really focus on phrasing their research questions as actual questions. And we kind of strayed from that a little bit. But my one rule in the part four show what you know, was that they couldn't use Google Slides, I wanted them to venture out of their comfort zone there. And some of them, a lot of them ended up using Canva, which I was totally fine with because they had never used it before. And it taught them something new. So I love that some of them made videos, um, which I don't think I ever would have gotten before. But because of this school year, they were a little bit more comfortable doing that. Some of them made uh, posters and, excuse me, I have a couple of the examples on my Instagram. One kid did a poster about Hershey bars and like glued Hershey bars to it and put facts and like it was super old school, cut out pictures. It was really awesome. Another girl drew on her uh, Procreate app on iPad a picture of an old school gaming system, which was so cool. Someone else drew a picture representing World War II. Um uh, we, I had another video about the littlest pet shop. So we were kind of all over the place. Someone used TikTok, actually. Um, so I was really impressed with how creative they got and how comfortable they were within that creativity. I love that. And we'll link to your social media post, too. Danny, what is your Instagram account that you keep referring to? It is stuck on edu. All one word. S-T-U-C-K-O-N-E-D-U. Danny, I love this. Is so you said that you're planning this for the fall and for teachers who might want to start their year with something like this, and I'm definitely teachers. So like, I'm like pointing to myself. So for teachers who really want it, because my year um, with my fifth graders is very research intense. 
Um, but I don't feel like we teach into the, we teach into the research, but I, I feel like if we had a benchmark of where they're coming from and could teach into it in something that they're a little bit more passionate about instead of the topics that we teach into later in the year in reading and writing, um, it would be a better fit. Like, I think that they would have, um, more, more ownership in, in the research that they do later based on the ownership they had, they had in the research in the beginning. What changes are you planning to make? It, when you start this in the fall? Because I know you mentioned them. I, I love that you mentioned using this, I think this is what you're saying, as a benchmark. That's exactly what I'm planning on doing. So I've already, the version of this that you're seeing, I've already made a lot of changes on. This was not what this looked like when I gave it out to the kids. Um, I initially, I'm going to spend more time on the difference between open-ended and closed-ended questions. I will make sure that their research questions are really strong questions that correlate with their topic that lend themselves themselves to doing better research. Um, one part I added in was brainstorming six different topics, uh, six different possible research questions, because I didn't do that last time. And I found that they needed a little more guidance there. Um, so I'm having them list six possible questions and they'll highlight the two that they're officially choosing. Um, I would love to do more with research and trying to figure out how to teach them to be better researchers, but, um, I don't know enough about that. So I'm going to spend the summer kind of learning how to teach them how to do better research, but that's a really big piece that I would love to focus on. Would you tap into a resource like your media specialist? Yes, I would love to do that. Um, either the one at my school or someone else who might be able to help from, you know, the internet. Um, probably... I know this great librarian um, in Neptune, yes, New Jersey. <laughs> She's related and married to the House of EdTech. If you want to like reach out to Kate, I might be familiar with her, and I yeah. would love that. She's so helpful. Um, I actually have a question. Then, yes. Uh, again, going back to time. So this time around, you did two weeks. When you start the school year, will you still make this mini, or will it have a broader? Will it be three weeks? Will it be a month? What What do you think this might be as you really dive into the planning? So the continuous time piece is really important to me. Um, I was worrying about that because I know next year is not as going to be hopefully as flexible as this year, I guess. But I, in my ninth grade class that I did this with, I don't have a state test to teach to. So I can be a little bit more flexible and not feel pressured. Um, I know you guys are I know. I know you guys are all in Jersey, so you don't feel the the pressure of the regents. AJ, I know you used to, but um, I think I'll probably keep it at two weeks and then kind of reassess as the year goes on and see if they want to do it maybe once in the first quarter and then once in the third or fourth quarter. Um, But it just felt too segmented doing it a couple of years ago, only once every Friday, once a week on Fridays. I didn't love how that felt, so I do not think I want to go back to that. Um, but yeah, I think if I could do it twice a year, I'd be happy with that. Let me just throw a curveball real quick about the, the whole timeline thing. So you mentioned the continuous. So, so I get that. And you mentioned not liking to do it on Fridays. Do you think, and I'm not saying do this, but do you think Monday would be a better way to, if you were going to make it go long term, might Mondays be a great day to do genius hour? And I'll throw that out to all of you. I tried that too, actually, and okay. it just, it, it didn't, the day of the week didn't matter necessarily. It was just that it wasn't continuous. 
for my kids, my special ed kids, and maybe it was just that group of kids, but it didn't really work as well for them. Um, I found that they kind of lost interest and they needed that momentum to keep them interested and motivated. I find that struggle too. Um, I don't know. And for me, it's a little bit different, but being a gen ed teacher, there isn't a designated period for both science and social studies to have their own block. So we, we alternate. And last year or my first year teaching fifth grade, um, I tried to do a unit at a time because that was what I was familiar with from, from early elementary, from primary. And, um, that worked better for me. I think it worked better for my kids because this year um, my co-teacher and I did alternate and I couldn't remember on Wednesday what we had covered on Monday in social studies. And I think the kids struggled with that. So I can imagine like just the the lack of continuity from week to week as opposed to like every other day even would be even more significant and drastic. And I think that there's like a lot of like activating prior knowledge and like remembering back, like what was I doing when you drop something for a week at a time? It's not, you know, you, you have a week of, of other things that have filled that space. That's exactly it. That's exactly how I felt. Chris, have you tried it on a Monday or have you done this before? Whenever I've done the, the passion project, I've done the Friday and I've done it in the fourth marking period. Um, the difference for me is I have block scheduling so I have the 80 minute time slot and I would do it on Thursdays or Fridays, depending on, you know, the, the AB schedule. So that was really nice for me in a marking period to just kind of have that calendar built and having a document similar to what Danny shared with us, where I can give them the schedule of, you know, here's when presentations are, here's what you should be doing at, you know, during these weeks. And, and, and AJ and Danny know this, it's when you can have that all mapped out. It makes lesson planning really easy to just kind of throw into your lesson planning portal. Here's what I'm doing. Here's the dates. It's all mapped out. And then I just got to plug in the other, you know, three days of the week with the content. But, you know, I I do get I I like the idea of the continuous piece because even me, you know, I have gen ed ninth grade world history or I have inclusion classes. So, you know, working with the special education population and I like the idea of the continuous piece because, you know, whether it's gen ed or special ed kids today you know, have a tough time focusing on anything for an extended period of time. So if I was going to do this and I'm now considering, can I start the school year with this like Danny's going to do? And could this be, you know, the month of September, right? There's a, there's a couple of off days built in. We're just, we're getting back into it. What we talked about, you know, a future episode on how do we teach kids how to go to school again, right? You know, Danny and I, as ninth grade teachers, we're going to get kids I, I, I won't put words in Danny's mouth. I'm sorry. I know I'm going to have ninth grade students who have not been in a school or a classroom since they were in the seventh grade and their last day of in-school learning was March 13th, 2020. And they spent most of their eighth grade year or if not all of it virtual. So we, I'm going to have to teach kids how to be in school again. So yeah, we're going to have to do a conversation about what that looks like and how do we do school again later this I summer. I think that's all <laughs> educators are going to, are struggling with that. It's actually, I'm, I'm leading PD on that on the 13th of July, just to talk about like where we've been and like what it will look like in September and how we have to really go slow, be very deliberate. Um, I don't know about you guys, but our schedule is built out those first few weeks in September where I almost feel like we have some permission to go slowly because we don't start until a Wednesday. We start Wednesday, the 8th, 
We only have three days in school. And then the next week, we have four days in school because it's Yom Kippur. So I feel like I now have seven days where I can just, like, slow it down and just kind of, you know, take it day by day and not feel like I'm in this, like, rush to, like, jump in and and do all the things that we're used to doing, right? Jump in with the curriculum. We're not even doing curriculum, I don't think, those first few days. I don't think you need permission to go slowly. I think anybody out there right now who's an educator should be able to take their time to start the year the right way, the way they want to, to set the tone and to reset the tone of what school is. There is no, there should be nobody pushing curriculum the first two weeks to almost a month of the school year. And if they are, then there's the bigger plan for them. I'm not saying that there are administrators who are saying that, but I do love the way that the calendar is built because it's, it's kind of like, here's our first three days. Here's three more days, a break and another day. And then but do you know, like, I feel like the calendar gave us permission where like even the kids won't be in school for a full week until the third week of school. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it is really nice. nice to hear that from you, though, AJ, because yes. I keep worrying about how I care too much about what other people think of me. But I keep worrying about how I'll be seen from the perspective of my colleagues if I just spend these two weeks or however long on this like fun project. But I think that that's such a natural and personal way to ease into the school year. And I, that's, that was my only approach this year, putting relationships first, putting kids first. I can't see doing it any other way. How can you possibly jump right into curriculum and expect to hook your kids and get to know them and get that buy-in when you, if you act like the year is just a normal year, it is not a normal year. We're all coming off of this like traumatizing year and a half of not being in school and this really weird experience. So this kind of felt like a natural way to like slowly dip some toes back in the water of, okay, we're in a classroom. This is, these are the expectations. This is how we have to act. These are the things we're going to focus on. Well, 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 I look at your project and it doesn't seem like it's, I don't want to say it in this in a a negative way. It's not fun. Like it's nice because it's, it's student led, but it's not like a fun, like, oh my gosh, this is just nonsense. This is a lot of research-based expectations. And, you know, while it's fun for the kids because they're breaking out of the norm of what a classroom looks like for this project, you know, there is more to it. And the question I was going to ask earlier is, even though it's a passion project, would you do something along the terms of curriculum or content area where it's passion based on an area of focus? So if you're doing whatever social studies you're doing in ninth grade, you know, would you have them do some kind of choice to make it content focused? So I want to make it more content focused for next time. That's actually, I forgot to mention, that's the biggest change that I'm going to make. Um, I feel a little bit torn on that because I know I was never and still kind of am not super interested in social studies. So I don't want to push that on any of my students. But I think what I'll do is whatever topic they have, I'm going to have them find some way, even if it's abstract, some way to connect it to history or social studies, even if they just give me a little bit of um, the history of how their topic began or something. Um, I would love to see how they could, if possible, connect it to an ancient civilization, but I know that's probably not possible for all their topics. Like I, It would be far-fetched, but I would love to help them do that. Like I'm thinking 
a, a couple, three of the kids did coffee, like Dunkin' Donuts, right? You can't connect Dunkin' Donuts with like ancient Egypt, but we can kind of bring it back to where coffee came from and how it began and like where it was originally found. So I think I'm going to try to do more of that. And that's how I'll connect it to content and sort of weave that in. Right. Finding finding relevant people for the time period or even comparing it to what's going on on a different part of the world during the same time period. That might be something interesting for the kids to find. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. Or even comparing, you know, coffee here in the United States to coffee elsewhere currently. Right. You're, are you global studies or are you? Yep. Yeah. yeah global. Right. So it doesn't have to be like history, like historical. It could just be global studies and that it's global that way. Um, yeah. I would say I wouldn't focus so much on the content in September if this is how you're starting the year, especially if you're doing it again later, only because it is a nice way for them to dip their toes in. And it's not like you're not meeting standards and teaching curriculum because history has a research based component in its standards, right? And it's part it's probably part of your curriculum. I would say I like that you're weaving in like talk about its its cultural relevance or talk about its global relevance. Like I would pick one of those like bigger pieces, but I wouldn't I love that. I wouldn't necessarily tie like I love that you have a ninth grader who's like, I'm gonna do littlest pet shop. Like I don't know what that means because I don't have girls and I don't have children that age that none of my boys were into that. But like the fact that you still have a ninth grader, it seems like a kiddish thing, but you have a ninth grader who's passionate enough about it to talk about it as a ninth grader seems really amazing to me that you created a safe space where like no one's going to knock her, right, for talking about that. I actually, there's a lot more behind that. Um, So this is a kid who is a transgender kid, um, came out at the beginning of the year. And the reason that he chose to do Littlest Pet Shop was because he wanted to show um, the transformation over time, like the evolution of LPS, Littlest Pet Shop, is what the topic really was. I'll show you guys. Um, it, this is on my Instagram post, too. I don't know if you guys can see this. But their whole presentation was how the first version was this like more masculinized version of it. And then over the years, it transformed into this like fun, flirty, female focused um toy, I guess. So it was really cool to hear that from the perspective of this ninth grader who like absolutely blew my mind focusing on like gender norms and how the creation of toys play into that. And I was like, oh my God, like it was amazing the way that he explained it. And stereotypes. So here I am feeding into the fact that girls play with Littlest Pet Shop and that's not necessarily true. But my boy has never played with that. That's like, so I know nothing about that. And I didn't think that ninth graders would still be passionate about it. Yeah, I knew nothing about a lot of the topics, and I learned a lot, too. It was really cool learning through their experiences and their research. Yeah. See, and I like that there was that evolution of it because it does show, like, you know, in order for um, games and those toy-type things to be relevant and to continue to be relevant, there has to be an evolution, right? And so even that just shows, like, growth over time. It doesn't have to be a long time because LPS has not been around forever, but long enough to make some some significant changes. Um, I was just going to say it was really cool to see even the evolution of their project. Initially, they were going to do, I think it was LGBTQIA and how the whole movement and organization came to be. And then they knew they wanted to do LPS and looked at it through that lens, which I thought was so, so cool. Um, and just the the scope that they were able to 
view all of the information through was so much more mature and beyond what I expected from this project. And I was so glad that they felt comfortable, like you were saying before, to venture down that road and to talk about it so bravely and so confidently in front of a class of 15 kids, half online and half in person. It was amazing to see that. What's also been amazing to see, Danny, is one, how gracious you've been with your time on this episode. And we really appreciate you taking the time here on a Saturday morning. So yeah, for regular listeners, you know, we did not do this live. So Danny, thank you for joining us early on a Saturday morning. Before we let you go, any final thoughts, advice, just the floor is yours to just give any final thoughts on Mini Genius Hour. It was the best project that I've ever done. And I wish I hadn't been too intimidated to start until now. I had this idea in my head for so many years, but I thought that it had to be a certain way. And I thought that I had to incorporate parts A, B, C, and D. And if I didn't do it, then it wasn't genius hour. And once I kind of let go of all of that, and I was like, I'm just going to do what I want. I just want the kids to learn about a topic that they're interested in and focus on research and how to write an email and presentation skills. Once I knew that I wanted to focus on those three things, everything else kind of came together. So please, if anybody has questions, reach out to me. Um, I would love to talk more about this or really anything at all. I would just love to connect. And how can they do that? So you can find me on Instagram at stuck on edu and I am on Twitter at Kenneth Danny. One day, Chris, you'll have to teach me how to make those handles the same because it drives me crazy every day. Stacy's the expert on that. So you're going to have to connect with uh, at Stacy Lindis on Twitter, who used to be at I run tech, but now she changed. Yeah. But I'm still so at I run tech on, on Insta. <laughs> oh, okay. That makes me feel better that they don't match up because I'm like, I have to have it the same across all platforms. It makes well, it easier I, I for people you, to find you. But she probably I mean, wants to be at stuck on edu on Twitter. Yes. Yeah, that's easy. I can help. There you, you go. Her. OK, excellent. I'll reach out to you and Kate. And we'll make this happen. Yes. And uh, again, if you want to again, you need to for those listening for you who's listening, you need to go to podcastpd.com slash one oh one. We will have links to everything about Danny. We will have the Google Doc that she shared with us which is going to be a great way to get started. Listen to this episode multiple times and remember to download it each time because that's a wonderful thing to do to a podcast. And if there's somebody you know who would benefit from this, make sure you send this to them. Send it from your podcatching app. Let them know. Connect with Danny. Connect with us. Share this episode around like uh, it's going out of style. And that's a podcastpd.com slash 101. All right. Time for the magic. Danny, thank you so much. We're going to say say goodbye, AJ. Goodbye, AJ. Say goodbye, Christopher. Goodbye, Christopher. Say goodbye, Danny. Bye, Danny. Goodbye, Podcast PD. Thank you for checking out this episode of Podcast PD. For links to everything that we discussed in this episode, you can visit the show notes at our website, podcastpd.com. To connect with the show on social media, we are at PodcastPD on Instagram and Twitter, and we share using the hashtag PodcastPD. To connect with Stacy, AJ, and myself, we are on Twitter at Mr. Nessie, at Stacy Lindis, and at AJ Bianco. We would love to hear from you, so please go to podcastpd.com slash feedback and send us an email, send us a voice message, whatever you need to do. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you share it with somebody that you think would get value from it. 
Word of mouth is the best way to share a podcast you enjoy, and we hope you enjoyed Podcast PD. We appreciate you listening, we appreciate your sharing, and we love creating this podcast for you. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care.